0: They offer blood, how it really takes you away from what I would rather call your biological blood, if you will. Amen? Hallelujah. Because you must understand, when somebody is born, in any setting, into a family, it picks the genes of that family, it picks the ball stream of that family. So that is very important for us to understand if we come to the place of being born again. And now we want to look at these new generational causes, and it's very, very critical. Uh, we examine these, because as you also know, this is one of the common uh, doctrines that is on now. Uh, and again, I, I want to let us know this evening as we go on, on the fact that it is not just something that uh, erupted somewhere along the line, but this is a belief that I've been on for years, and uh, I'll make you see the people have kind of this. The Hindus believe it. The Jews themselves believe it to an extent. The Pharisees even have a, a doctrine. Uh, I'll show you how it connects. But the first thing I want you to see you now is to look at the book of John chapter 9. Let's start from there. But the key thing we want to be dealing with tonight is that Exodus 20 but let's start from John chapter nine, I'm looking at from verse one to three. The Bible says, "And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born blind from his bed." And I want you to know that. John chapter nine: born blind from his bed. And his disciples asked him, saying, "Master, who did sin?" This man or his parents That he was born blind And Jesus answered Neither has this man seen Nor his parents But that the works of God Should be made manifest in him Amen So first of all I want you to see Why these disciples of Jesus asked this question Who was born blind This man or his parents And like I said the Pharisees are in their doctrine have the belief of what is called transmigration of souls. The transmigration of soul is this. You die and your spirit looks for another soul to inhabit for the purpose of either punishment or paying off the things you did before you die. Are you getting this? Right. So now, the implication of that is, this man that was born blind, is it that the parents committed some crime, and now he's paying, that is, the parents that have died committed some crime, and then he's born blind, and perhaps the spirit of those parents is not paying off The punishment of the parents. Are you getting this? I want you to pick it. So, it is called transmigration of souls. Amen? Now, the Pharisees have it as a creed in their own teachings. uh, In the article of creed, as the case may be. And it was generally believed among the Greeks and the Asiatic people. The Asians. Right? They believe that. That soul transmigrate from one person to the other. To pay off the debt and all that. Now, you see, in the first place, as you begin to, as we are going on, you begin to imagine. When we talk about now you paying off the sins you committed, it means what Christ did is not sufficient to pay off your sins. Do you understand the implication of that? Fine. So if you're teaching generational causes, invariably you are saying the same thing that the sacrifice of christ could not pay for the sins your parents committed that's the implication so that's why i say it's also tied to the issue of the abuse of the cross so you are saying the cross of jesus is not sufficient to redeem any soul that sin either before he died or even very much alive amen okay we have the Pythagoreans also, Pythagorean, you know, we call the Pythagorean theorem in mathematics. They also believe that the souls of men were sent into other bodies for the punishment of the sins which they had committed in a pre-existent state. That is how sort of part of the belief, just like I said, the Greeks, the ancient people, the Pharisees, they believe this. They believe that the souls of men are sent, or could be sent to other people for the punishment of the sins which they have committed in their previous existing life. In other words, when a man comes up in that dimension, he may suffer certain things. Let me just move on so that I'll begin to show you one or two things. And this is basically what the disciple wanted to find out. This man that sin, or that is born blind now, this must be a punishment. Now is it the punishment from his parents or the life he lived before? Which one is he suffering from? That is the question they were asking. Are you getting this now? All right. So I want you to understand. So so they were actually trying to find out this if the blindness was a result of the sin in a pre existent state to which this body is now suffering from. Uh because as I want to make you understand, they believe that certain things you suffer from are directly connected to the previous sins you committed. I want you to see that. Praise the Lord. Okay. So he saw that the man seen in the previous life or the parents seen in a previous life, and so they want to find out who actually is responsible because this is not an ordinary thing. Is that all right? Well, like I said, most of the Asiatic people nations also believe this in the doctrine of transmigration. Uh, the Hindus, for instance, the whole is so dear uh in their own you suffer in your body certain things because of your previous sins or the sins you committed in your previous life you know and they come to the place where they feel that they have cures for such sicknesses for instance if you have headache in your belief in terms of transmigration and then generational causes whatever if you have headache their belief is a punishment for having in a former state spoken without respect to your father or your mother. That's what gives you a headache. That's to the Hindus. And you can understand why they respect some of the old people. If you want this Asian nation, the level of respect they have sometimes for their parents um, is not what you have in some other nations. Okay. Madness to them is fundamental for having been disobedient to parents or someone who is a spiritual guy. Are you following what I'm saying now? You know what? If you come to life or if you are, you see a mad person, it means he's suffering the consequences of being disobedient to his parents in the previous life or to his spiritual guide. That's why he's mad. That's what the Hindus believe. That's under Hinduism. Is that okay? Are you getting this? Epilepsy to them is a punishment for having in a former state and uh, having administered poison to anyone at the command of his master. That is the reason why somebody have to have epilepsy. Hmm? Alright. Pain in the eyes is a punishment for having in another body converted another man's wife. You have pains in your eyes. Huh? To them, there is no sickness that is not tied to one sin. It's more or less like what we do today. Any little problem you have is either going to be the devil. Ours is the devil, but theirs is sin. Tied to something. So when the disciples were asking this question, they weren't joking. They lived among these people. They lived among this professing doctrine that was going on. And they felt Jesus also was going to buy into that. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So that is that. Blindness is a punishment for having killed his mother. Who must have suffered many years either in hell before his new birth. But when you're born, you're blind. Because you killed your mother in your previous life. You know all these kind of wild teachings. So the Hindu believe that the most of their misfortunes arises, most people's misfortune arises out of the sins of the former birth. And in moments of grief, most uh, of them, they'll make this statement, Oh, how long am I going to suffer for the sins that I committed in my previous life? That is how they the lament. Their lamentation goes with that regard. Anything that comes, oh Lord, how am I, how am I going to continue to suffer now for the sins I committed in my previous life? I think with what is going on in the body of Christ, we're also behaving like the Hindus. We are just thinking like the Hindus. Somebody have a problem and say, oh, it has to do with your parental causes, your previous life. We are just thinking like the Hindus. We are reviving what the early Greek people, the Ashkenazi people, the Hindus, and even the Pharisees were teaching. When we start emphasizing that which is called parental causes. Now, the Jewish rabbis, which are the rabbis, they have all the same belief from the very remotest period of time. Many of the Jewish doctors believe that the souls of Adam, Abraham, and Phinehas have successfully animated the great men of their nation. In other words, when they see mighty men in the nation, they say this one is the soul of Abraham that came back. I think in our own concept here, as well in the Yoruba, we call it the Abiku. But the difference is, there are big cons, and they keep maybe that's why we believe they keep coming and dying, keep coming and dying. I think it's the same thing we are believing into. And it's like they keep on coming and dying to be able to pay for I don't know, maybe they are paying for the things they could not correct. Alright? So like the, the rabbins of the, the Pharisees, the rabbis, the Jewish people, they believe that Abraham, uh Phinehas, and people like Adam, they really come to life to inhabit. People, and that is why those people are great men. Hallelujah. I want you to see all of this and see where we are today within the body of Christ. Okay. So let's just quickly move on. Uh, Josephus, you need to read the history of Josephus. I was trying to read part of it in his own teachings about this. Uh, he gave a great, a great account of the doctrine of the Pharisees on this subject. Uh, he really indicated that the belief, the source of those who we're only godly. We're permitted to reanimate human bodies as a way of reward rather than punishment. That's what the Pharisees believe. Now, for instance, like Abraham now, and Adam, and Phinehas, and all of those people, in their own concept of belief, is they come back to life as a reward for having lived very good lives. You understand that? But this time, it's not punishment. All right? Okay? Now, Josephus is trying to put this on record as to how the rabbis and some of those people, they do believe this. Okay. And then the source of those people who are not good enough, who didn't live godly lives, they come to inhabit other people, to suffer punishment, to pay off the debt for the sins they committed before they enter into those people. In that case, they have to suffer. Now, while they go through this, it will enable them, at the final analysis, when they finally leave this body, after paying the price, they move on to paradise. Okay? This is their belief. Now, it's very close to what the papist teaches. When I don't mean the papist, I'm talking about the pope. Or the doctrine of what they call purgatory. Purgatory has to do with you going into purgatory, you pay a price, for the sins you paid and then you move into paradise, fine. The difference is this one you're coming into people's body, but like the, the, the Catholic or what, you go into a purgatory and then you pay the penance and then they pray for you. Now where you can pay off, you go to hell forever. And by the way, you can pay off through somebody paying some money to the high priest or whatever. you be able to come out and then gradually you move into uh, whatever. But the key thing I want to make you see here is a question that these people ask, and the reason why they ask that question. And I'm saying whether I don't know how to use the word, but the point is we are indirectly teaching and preaching the same thing when we begin to talk about generational causes. I don't know if anybody following me. We are doing exactly the same thing, but we are basing it from—I mean—on some simple Bible scriptures, which are the scriptures I want to examine in the course of this study, so that we can see clearly that they have no bearing one bit to this kind of thing that I've just uh, discussed. You can find them. Go and read about how people believe this before now, so that you can see. I'm just trying to touch it, but I have one scripture that has always helped me in life. Uh, sometimes we ask, with your favorite scripture? This is one of my favorite scriptures. I have so many favorite, but this one is one of the most favorite scriptures. It's Proverbs 16, verse number 7. One of my most favorite scriptures. There are two scriptures that, uh, are also dear in life. This Proverbs 16, verse number 7, and Romans chapter number 8. Which made us understand all things work together for good. Amen. It's one of my favorite scripture but this one is very powerful for me it says when a man's ways please the lord he make it even his enemies to be what at peace with him amen hallelujah when a man's ways please the lord he make it even his enemies to be what at peace with him so name whatever enemy it could be anything you want to call Generally, anything that will have been an obstruction in your life all you need do is to cause your ways to do what to please the lord And that enemy sit down. Now let me put it the way it it comes out from the message translation. Look at the way it says. It's written here. When God approves your life, even your enemies will end up shaking your hands. I mean, that is the point. You see, the issue is not fighting the enemies. The issue is trying to make your ways right with God. And your enemy will end up shaking your hands. Praise God. So why fight the enemies when you are supposed to simply overcome the enemy by making your ways right with God? And the enemy comes shaking your hands. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? All right. So let's go to the main scripture that um, we have commonly used within the body of Christ for this doctrine of generational causes. And that is Exodus 20. Exodus 20. We're going to be examining these scriptures, and then we'll go on to see where we are today. Because the Bible made us to understand you are not purchased with uh, corruptible things that silver and gold. We want to see the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. And there is no devil that's going to inhabit your body so that your body can be punished for anything. Amen? Okay. Exodus 20, verse 1. God spake all this way saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Verse 6 says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandment. Can I hear amen to that? Okay, I want to examine uh, basically verse 5 is the key thing. Right? First of all, the Bible says, I'm a jealous God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be jealous? In what sense is God jealous? Alright? The first thing is it shows the deep love of God for you or for the nation of Israel. You see, the contents here has to do with this. Every woman, as it were, scripturally speaking, was supposed to be obedient to the husband. Is that okay? Are you there with me? good and the husband was supposed to be protecting and providing for the wife the sense of jealousy here is I don't want you to have other gods in my place as your husband are you got what I'm talking about I don't want that. No, What God is saying is, I have a deep affection for you and I don't want someone else to share this affection with me. That's what he's saying. So, the jealousy is not in terms of he wants to kill or something like that. He's trying to explain to them how much love he has for Israel. Is that alright? Praise the living God. So, he is trying to say man keep yourself for me you marry a new wife or something they say, Look, you got to keep yourself for me are you getting what i'm saying now that is just what it means israel keep yourself for me i am your husband that's what it means i don't want to share you with another man that is basically what the sense is all about and mind you he was saying this to a nation and not to an individual let's establish that okay is that is that okay it's not a commandment to an individual so if you truly want to follow it you can just pick it out of a national level and bring it to an individual level and begin to feel that certain individuals are suffering some things unless you want to say the whole nation is suffering something because of the way they've gone now watch this when idolatry was in israel remember ahab and moses is that okay you can understand it was a national issue it was not just a household issue so the law was actually a national law i want you to first understand that okay let me give you an example of how paul puts this in second corinthians chapter 11. second corinthians chapter 11 so that you can understand the use of that word i'm jealous when he say i'm a jealous god Second Corinthians 11 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Okay, it says, are you there with me? I want a God who could bear with me a little in my folly. And he did bear with me. For I am jealous. Can you see that? Over you with what? Godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Can you see that? But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's what is in Christ. This is a simple explanation when he says, I'm a jealous God. Can you get it? Hallelujah. That is what God was speaking or talking about in that exodus 20. be pure unto me that's what it means the emphasis was not the punishment the emphasis basically was the simplicity of heart and commitment to your god i don't want to share your affection with another god amen praise the living god so we see here that buying down to other gods like he said that shall not buy them to other god or to idols he given them the place of jehovah in other words If they buy down to other gods, they are taking those idols in place of God. And that is what was going to make God to become what? Jealous. Is that okay? So worshiping and serving other creatures in place of God, and I mean as opposed to God is what makes him jealous. And of course, we can understand this that even many can become God that can make God jealous. Because whatever controls you and rules you, okay, take it this way. A husband is meant to provide and protect. Is that okay? Now, if you trust the money to protect and provide for you, you are also indirectly worshipping money as your God. And of course, we know, Scripture scripturally speaking, that is the only thing that really competes with God in the world. Because the Bible says that shall not serve God and mammon. Did you get that? It means you can serve mammon. When you serve mammon or you worship in mammon, you are invariably saying you can trust in your money to provide, to protect everything for you. As God ought to have done. That's what you mean. And that is what makes God jealous. God doesn't want his own um, place over your life to be taken by something else. Is that Okay. But we all know that it's human folly to think that money can protect you. Money can protect you. Money can even it can protect. Everybody know money can protect. Amen. Good, because there are sicknesses that, in the midst of money, people still die. So money can protect. Hallelujah. Does he have the ability to protect? Okay. All right. The next thing he said: visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children. Now this necessarily implies one major thing: if the children walk in the steps of their fathers, God is going to do to them what He ought to have done to their fathers. Amen. Because it's a natural justice, the mind that a man is not supposed to die in place of another. Natural justice demands that. You can't see somebody commit a crime and then you're going to arrest the father and kill the father. The best you can do is to arrest the father until the person shows up. But most time it's even rare. So you don't expect God to begin to replace people for the crimes committed. If you who is mortal, natural, know that you can't even do it. Are I you catching I what I'm saying, saying? You see, sometimes we make God, we make it look like we are wiser than God. we are, We have more justice than God because if we cannot replace people who commit crime in our lawsuit, why do you imagine god replacing people for the crimes committed hmm? okay so i want you to understand that so here we find god is saying if the children have to walk in the way of their father i'm going to give you scriptures on that have to walk in the ways of their fathers i god will punish them for that amen all right But the main thing we need to understand from this passage is that God was dealing with the issue of idolatry. Eh? It's the main thing. The sin of idolatry is what God is speaking about here. And uh, this is the way it was. When he was saying, if you get yourself into idolatry, thinking now that idols will protect you, I just will provide for you. I will withdraw my protection. And then you fall into the hands of the enemies. Are you getting that? He was say, Israel, watch this. You are a wife to me. Remember, this is immediately after they enter into the covenant of marriage. From chapter 19 to 20. Is that okay? Now he's saying ask my wife this is what i want you to do and i don't want you to get off what i'm trying to tell you don't you ever have idols in your life that will take my place if you try i'm going to let you go and see if these idols will protect you hallelujah so now what happened if you look at the whole book of judges you're going to see this picture i'm talking about the whole book of judges was exactly what God said. If you go into idolatry, I withdraw my protection. Did you get that? So if you find the whole book, it was actually a visit of the iniquities of the fathers although the third and the fourth generation. As long as they were into idolatry, God was withdrawing what? His protection. And anytime they cry back to God, God would raise a judge. When they go back to idolatry, he withdraws his hand. And so they keep on going into captivity, keep on going into slavery. The last of which they came back and became completely pure was when they went to Babylon. When they came back home, they said, no way, we can't go back to idolatry. God achieved this purpose based on that law. The very last time they came from Babylon. Are you getting what I'm saying now? And what led them to Babylon is the same spirit of thought, idolatry. And God is saying, if you go into idolatry, I'm going to let you go. I take away my protection. I take away my provision. Enemies will come and pick you up. Because now you don't trust me as your husband. You don't trust me as the one I can provide and protect for you. And so all those nations, Assyrians and whatever, that were coming and picking these people, was that law of Exodus visited the iniquities of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. Are you still there with me? But when they came back to Babylon, it became another story. You know, it was when they came from Babylon that they had two place of worship, if I may use the word. You have what they call, if you look at your Bible, you're going to see, the Bible says, Jesus was teaching in the temple and the synagogue. How many of you have noticed that? Hey, come on. How many of you have noticed that? You have the temple, you have the synagogue. Do you know that there's a difference? And, oh, you know what is the difference or what resulted to that? Now watch this. The temples were there, before they took them to captivity, there were some that were left. Is that okay? Right. Those who went to, to, to captivity, to Babylon, and they came back, they felt that those that they left behind have corrupted the true worship of God with other idols. So they can't worship with them. Those were the people worshiping the temple. The people that were left behind, that were not taken into captivity, were the people that were worshiping in the temples. But those who returned were worshiping under trees, and they called them synagogues. They had no temple. They just gather under trees and that's where they don't want to mix with the temple worshiper because to them they are corrupt people. They have seen hard things in captivity. Now they don't want to go back. I don't like anymore. So they separated themselves from the worshippers of the synagogue. I mean, of the of the temple. They have to be under synagogue. So Jesus will meet them at the synagogue and then meet them also where at the temple. Are you there with me? Good. That is it. So, and that is why you go to the book of Ezra, you find that the Bible says they said they should bring the record, the book of the record, the genealogical book. What were they looking for? They wanted to find out those who went to captivity and those who were left behind. To them, those who didn't go to captivity, they were not pure, so they can minister. Huh? That is where the book of genealogy came from. And that is, oh, come on, help me Father, And that is where the book of life also comes from, the book of Revelation. Book of life are those who have been able to live and have received Christ as now they become a church virgin unto who? Unto Christ. Their names are now written in the book of life. In other words, it's just like those who went to Babylon, they came back pure and holy unto God in service. Their name are now in the book of life. That is just what it means. It's not something up in the sky. That is why Moses will say, Hey, come on, God. If you are not going to forgive these people, then wipe my name out of the book which you have written. How did he know his name was in the book? Hmm? Paul even said the same thing. Remember that. He was talking about those whose names are written in the book of life. (laughs) How did he know those names are written there? If you are in Christ, your name is written in the book of life. Amen? Amen. That's what it means. Pure and holy unto him. Simple. (laughs) Praise the living God. Okay, so mind you, I'm describing all of this to you so that you can understand precisely that when God said, I'm a jealous God, I'll visit iniquities, it was his judgment by way of just removing his hand of protection from the nation of Israel and people coming to take them into what? Into captivity. That was the judgment. It really happened. And we know that the last of such captivity was when they went to Babylon. Amen. And when they came back, remember, how can we sing the long song in a strange land? Can you get that? Fine. They regretted where they were. And they knew why they were there. And they said, we can't repeat this anymore. Right. God really, really manifested Exodus 20 in the life of these people. And don't forget what I said. It was a national judgment and not an individual judgment. It wasn't a family affair. How many understand what I'm saying? It was not a family issue. It was a national issue. So let's get that right, okay? He uh, talks about those who hate God. To hate, remember what he said of those that hate me. To hate means to turn. The word is sane, S-A-N-E, all right, in the Hebrew, and actually means to hate, personally, an enemy, hatred, utterly hate. God is saying. If you go into idolatry, you've demonstrated hatred for me. Is that okay? And you make yourself an enemy of God. If you turn your back, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's what he's saying. So I'll visit iniquity the unto them that the world hates me. So you can turn it of those who turn their back on me. I will withdraw my protection. Because now you're taking somebody else. As not just your God, but as your husband who can protect and provide for you. How many of you remember, if you go back to the book of, uh, I think, Ezekiel, how God was describing how he picked Israel, right? Saw you there, picked you up, washed you up, cleaned you up. When I saw you, your cord was still there, you know, tied you up, clothed you up. Remember that. Dude, he's describing what a husband did for her. Is that okay? So he's saying, if you turn your back on me, you are indirectly saying, I just can do this same thing for you. And if that is your decision, now you go and see for yourself. That's iniquity being visited. Is that okay? All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, I want to read a scripture. How many of you understand uh, the book of Deuteronomy is called, Deuteronomy, which in my language is called easy I many of you understand what I'm saying? Okay, in your own language, I don't know what it means. How do you call that in your language? Hey, all the Hebrew guys here, in your, what do you call Deuteronomy in your language? Yeah, tell me. You have the Bible? What do you call it? Deuteronomy? No, 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 no. It can't be Deuteronomy. Come on. <laughs> okay, is there anybody who can volunteer one for me? What do you have Deuteronomy in, in your language? Anybody? nobody you don't have your native language. I have uh, a Hisoko Bible myself that I read sometimes. I read all translations. Okay In my language, it's called Earia. In other words, it's like repeating the laws that have been given before. Is that okay? Are they repeating or reversing whichever way you want to put it? Is that all right? Or are you looking at me from that angle? What do you know about the autonomy? Now, is he uh, aware? Revising it? Okay, fine. Thank you. So you're with me. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> the laws, uh, the laws have already been given, alright? Now, Deuteronomy is like reversing the laws. Okay, let's see any law that relates to the law we have just discussed. Can we go to Deuteronomy 24? Deuteronomy 24. Let me just read uh, 15 to 16. Are you there? The Bible says, At his day thou shalt give him his hire. He's talking about laborers who work for you. Neither shall the son go down upon it for his poor, and set his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be seen unto thee. Now, he's talking about you who hire people as laborers. Is that okay? You pay up. Don't allow the money to stay overnight. Okay, verse 16 is what, uh, I'm after. What did he say? The father shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Hallelujah. So friend, don't talk to me about parental causes. There is nothing like that in scriptures. Moses, who wrote Exodus 20, reverse it into Deuteronomy 24 Is he a maria? <laughs> Are you still with me? The man reversed it. He said, no, come on. I am not, listen. This one is personal. No father will die for a son, neither will any son die for a father. Period. It's God's word. Now show me which scripture you want to use to prove that there is something called generational causes. You can't find it in Bible. You can't find it anywhere. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay. Father shall not be put to death for the children. Now, one of the reasons, one of the reasons, remember, what he was given reversing these laws, he was reversing them for the people who will sit as judges over Israel. Because this is the law you are going to apply to rule the people. Is that okay? So it was a law given to the magistrate. So what he's trying to say, hey look, you judges, when you judge the children of God, if a father commits a crime, don't kill the son for the father. Are you getting this? And if a child commits, I mean, a child commits a crime, don't kill the father for the child. Kill the man that commits a crime so it was a law handed over to the judges of israel and i mean if you understand that the bible made it very clear the wages of sin in israel is what dead if you sin, you die that was a law but he's saying you can't transfer anybody's sin to another person so i don't know which bible these guys are using people i can't understand it hallelujah are we there together amen so, this is an equitable principle as far as I'm concerned. Every man is equal before God. All souls are equal before God. Are you there with me? Amen. Praise the Living God. So, it shows us precisely that the Exodus 20 was a national law or a national order that God gave, but here we are dealing with individual situations. Is that okay? Praise the Living God. Amen. So, most of what people used to preach, they are preaching from the national perspective. But in the truth said, if you want to apply Exodus, you should apply it nationally and not on individual basis. It's not an individual issue in Exodus 20. But if you come here, he is dealing with individual issues. But God is saying, hey, you watch this. Even if I said that before, hear this and hear it now. Anybody that seen, let that person die. No father dies for the children, neither would any child die for the father. Hallelujah. Who wrote Exodus? Moses. Who wrote Deuteronomy? Moses. Uh huh. Are you see that? Hallelujah. And that's why I'm gonna take you deep after now. You no, know, as we progress on this, I'll make you see where your bloodline is, because people teach about the bloodline, the cause is following the bloodline. They need to understand. Uh, I, I'm sure already some of you, you you should be picking up from there uh, as to what we discussed on Sunday. You remember the alpha blood? Remember the alpha blood? The innocent blood? Amen. Okay, so you should be able to know the kind of blood you carry. Your blood doesn't connect to anyone at this cost. Amen. You have a clean insulin blood. <laughs> Your blood is not God's, man. So anybody coming to talk to you that you're suffering some things, you're suffering, they are just behaving like the Hebrew people of old time, behaving like the Greeks, behaving like the Ishadi people. In fact, they are Hindus in practice. Hallelujah. They're not Christians. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Now you remember what I read to you in the beginning? Somebody is mad. He said because he caused his mother. Huh? <laughs> Other kind of belief. Okay. Let me give you a practical example of a man in the Bible A king who saw this law And have to put this law into practice Can we turn to the book of 2nd Kings now Chapter 14 2nd Kings chapter 14 Praise the Lord Are we there? What am I saying? No generational causes And I'm declaring it through the Infallible word of God That cannot, never You see, God will always Prove himself through his word And the word of God will stand the test of time Amen? Hallelujah Doesn't matter where you come from If you are a child of God, if you believe in the blood of Jesus No power, no devil Anywhere will come and get hold of you Amen? You've crossed the line (laughs) Ha ha Glory to God Second Kings chapter 14, are you there with me? I'm reading verse 1 In the second year of Joash, son of Joazah, king of Israel, reigned Messiah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Joadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet not like David his father. He did according to all things that Joash his father did. Howbeit, the high places were not taken away, as yet the people did sacrifice and burnt offerings on the high places. And it came to pass, as soon as the kingdom was confirmed in his hand, that he slew his servants, which had slain the king his father. Listen closely, but verse six: but the children of the murderers he slew not according unto that which is written in the book of the Lord of Moses, wherein the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not be put to death for the children, nor the children be put to death for the father. But every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Did you find that in your book? Hallelujah. Did you find that in your book, <laughs> yeah. you in your book there? Yeah. It's according to the Lord. Listen, these people killed his father. They were murderers right and he brought the people and killed them but the children of these people were set free and he said according to the law of moses which he has written the father must not die for the children neither for the children die for the father every man will die for one for his own sin my question is where do they have their doctrine that they are teaching you today that you are suffering for the sins of your father show me just tell me you see our mind, because of the things that have been poured into our spirit, because we are not seeing truth, we are not seeing light in God's word, we receive this thing, and there are manifestations, and we believe that what they are telling us is true. But it's not true. Hallelujah. Did you see it there? It's so simple, people. Very simple. <laughs> and that will lead us to what we are going to be doing now. So having known that, that law has been null and void. God, yeah. What language will I use now? <laughs> <The one laughs> Uncle Francis, how do you say it? It's finished. Serious. I mean, that's the simple truth. You can't believe believing that kind of trash. It's nonsense. Don't believe that generational causes. And Messiah and you, this thing cannot work. And that was a king that ruled in Israel. Took the people killed them and let the children go. According to the law. So which one are they teaching? That's my problem. I don't know which Bible they're using. Hmm? and they begin to quote all things to you you've been a Hindu, the spirit is following you you are just like those rabbin of old, you are just like the Hindus of old same group of people you reincarnated them anyway praise God now let's look at something from the book of Jeremiah now I'm going to maybe shut down here today or we'll continue next week from this place somebody say amen, there is still time no, I want to let you go, amen Okay, the new covenant You need to understand the new order that you are Amen? Jeremiah 31 But you like the scripture we read In 2 Kings 14? It's so splendid Father won't die for children Children won't die for father Every man for his own sin Hallelujah I like the word of God Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31 verse 28 I'm reading Praise God Mm. Are we all there now? And it shall come to pass That like as I have watched over them To pluck up and to break down And to throw down And to destroy and to afflict So will I watch over them To build and to plant Say the Lord, amen God doesn't just kill, he also make a life Right? He say he kill it and he does what? He make it a life So even if you make rules that were kind of detrimental to your well-being, you also have a way of reversing those rules that you may stand up one more time. Hallelujah. Look at verse 29. In those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten our salt grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every man shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the salt grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Are you still there with me? Now what he's saying, when he saying in those days, no matter what he's talking about, what he's going to do. And that he's talking about your time and my time. Did you get that? I kill and I make a life. Yes sir. I plucked down, I did everything, now I'm planting and I'm building again. That proverb can no longer walk. The fathers have committed crime, then children are paying for it. Not at all. I am going to reverse everything. And in what order did God reverse this? Let's watch this. Okay. Verse 30, 31 now. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. How many of you remember, this is what Paul quoted in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 8. Are you still there with me? So we are talking about the New Testament in this passage, not the Old Testament. You need to understand that. Okay. Not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Quit my covenant, the break, although I was a husband unto them, said the Lord. Can you see that now? When he said, I am jealous, was well, because he is a husband. Not because he was a God. The law was not given in relation to being a God. The law was given on the basis of a husband and wife. Are you sitting there with me? hallelujah verse 33 but this shall be the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days say the lord i'll put my laws in their hearts and inward parts and write them in their heart and i will be their god and they shall be to me what a people and they shall teach no one every man know his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the lord for they all shall know me from the least unto the world the greatest Say the lord for i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sin no more who is speaking here? God, Hallelujah! Now look at what he said. If you watch this, look at this. something here he said which is very to me. He said, Thus here the Lord, verse thirty-five, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divided the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If these ordinances depart." From before me, said the Lord. Then, the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. You know what he's saying? The new nation I'm building can never, never be destroyed. Are you getting that? Remember what he said in the beginning. I plug down, I pull down, I'm building again. Is that okay? And he's saying, look, you watch the sun. The sun rises when it ought to rise. Is that okay? The moon is always there. I mean, everything in creation are obeying the laws that God has put in place. And he's saying, if any of these things could cease, then my covenant that I'm making now will cease. What that means is, this new order of covenant that I'm putting together can never be dishonored. That is why it's called the last covenant that God will ever make with man. Praise the living God. Are you catching this? Ezekiel 18. I'm looking only verse 20. But I want you to read from verse 1 down to verse 34 or 35. But let's look at verse 20 together. Are we all together now? Ezekiel. Okay. 18 verse 20. It says, The soul that sin it, it shall die. Are you following this? The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. Are you still there with me? The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall do what? Shall be upon him. Play what, people? Are you still there with me? I mean, God have made these rules. He's not gonna change it. In this new order that we are, man, you are not gonna die for whatever thing your father did. Are you still there with me? It doesn't matter how many shrine that he had. That have nothing to do with you one bit. Nothing. Even if you are the chief priest in your community, he has nothing to do with you right now. Nothing. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Who is the righteous man? We've got the righteousness of God in in Christ. You are the righteous people. Your righteousness shall be upon you. The wickedness of your father can never be upon you. Can only be upon your father. Praise the living God. God bless you.